buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. My name is Colin Mitchell and welcome to Sales Transformation, a daily podcast with the best moments from the most respected people in the sales world. The goal of this show is to give you a daily dose, weekends included, in 10 minutes or less to help transform the way you sell. I hope you enjoy today's episode and now to David to tell you what you can expect in today's episode. The greatest game you'll ever play is the court of life. And in this latest edition of Sales Transformation, we will be stepping back from sales experts and instead step into the life of a sports professional. Introducing Tommy Short, a former basketball officiator and now the founder of Think Better, Perform Better. Let's jump in as Tommy shares to Colin the early stages of his career and how it led to who he is today. Only here in the latest episode of Sales Transformation. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. Very excited today to have Tommy Short on the show. Tommy's a former basketball official who spent 10 plus years officiating NCAA Men's Division One and working with U.S. Men's Olympic Team. Uh, in the high-pressure environment on the basketball court, he developed a strong mindset to handle adversity and setbacks. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Colin. Excited to, to dive in today. Yeah, man. Give us a little bit of your background, like, you know, uh, before we kind of get into the stuff that you, you know, work with people on and stuff like that. But, you know, how did you get into officiating? Um, you know, give us the, 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 the short version of the Tommy short story. <laughs> no, no pun intended, right? <laughs> haven't heard yeah. that one before. Uh, well, let's, let's go back to sixth grade with the, with the short story of this hothead yeah. in, in basketball. Um, led the league in technicals. I can put that on my, uh, resume, <laughs> life resume, but yeah. I always appreciated the referees, um, that came over and talked to me, right? I didn't always agree with what they said, but I was like, that's really cool. I saw the future and the writing on the wall, if you will. I, I knew, you know, playing in college or the NBA was never going to be a, uh, realized dream. And so I was like, Hey, officiating would be pretty cool. Like anything else started at the bottom. Didn't know what I was doing. Uh, was really confused, but quickly, um, Worked my way up the ladder, got into high school, small college, division one. And then um, I was fortunate as I look back that my lifelong dream did not come true. Although at the time at 26, um, that was a heartbreaker of not getting um, into the NBA. But as I look back on on my journey, um, as you mentioned, working division one and, and with the men's Olympic team and traveling overseas, not realizing my ultimate big keystone goal of, of life has led me to where I am today. And if you would ask me three years ago, I wouldn't have seen it that way, but um, mm. a lot of self-awareness and, and retrospective and, and having those conversations with myself, everything happened for a reason. And where I am today has set me up for everything that I did on the court. 
Yeah. Yeah. Curious. Do you mind if we dig into that a little bit, you know, kind of hoping to make it to the NBA and not, and you kind of made mention, um, you know, if, if, if we'd asked you that question three years ago, you would have had a very different answer. Do you want to yeah. elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, um, for those of the listeners out there, um, understanding different walks of life and background, um, all within kind of the sales community though, but officiating is a microcosm, not of only life, but of, of sales, right? Like have to make decisive, decisive actions, have to be able to have really tough conversations, have to take a, a chaotic environment, whether it's on a phone call or a, a face-to-face meeting and be able to diffuse the situation and bring a little calm to the situation. Um, I often joke, it was like getting a PhD in human development, like human behavior. Yeah. Cause there was all these, I had to be a great teammate, right? I often tell, tell people uh, when I speak, what, regardless of the sales team or leadership team or company I'm speaking to, Hey, I might not know, um, how to sell financial products. I might not know how to sell tech products. I might not know how a construction company works day to day, but you know, the world I come from, I had to be really good for 38 minutes and, and be perfect for the last two, because if I wasn't, it was going to be on sports center. And I had to understand, I had to understand what it meant to perform under pressure and have two other referees who are my teammates count on me. And if I'm not pulling my weight, I'm letting my team down. Right. So all of that in a vacuum, um, in my experience, that's what allows me to not only speak to teams today, but then as I look back on it, officiating was really the training ground for me as in what I do now in, in executive one-on-one coaching. Yeah. And <clears throat> what, uh, what made you go down this path? Like what made you, you know, kind of have sort of the uh, realization or self-awareness that, you know, Hey, all of these skills that I learned officiating um, can be applicable into the business world. Yeah. So maybe if I even take a step back when I finally decided to step off the court, so I don't, I don't referee uh, anymore. I was fortunate. I don't know if it was my parents upbringing. I'll, I'll give them credit because I'm not really sure where this developed, but several years back uh, before I stepped off the court, developed a personal standard for myself, just sat down through self-absorption and knowledge. And I've always had a coach uh, throughout my professional life um, and realized I wanted to create my own personal standard and I wanted to create boundaries. And I came up with a list of things and, you know, family was the the first thing at the top. And so as I was going through my uh, basketball journey, why I got into it was not the same reason, you know, 26 and single traveling all over the world and getting paid to do it is pretty cool. You know, you're 35 and you start having kids, as you know, your priorities change, your standards. But I often use the analogy, I don't need to be in a car crash to know to wear my seatbelt. So I didn't need to have a marriage fall apart. I didn't need to have my kids not know who their dad was. I recently heard a quote that I, I, I just love. I didn't like him at the time on the court, but Buzz Williams, who's the coach at Texas A&M, he was on a podcast and he said, I want to be famous at home. And that really like hit me as like, the reason why I got into it was not the reason why I was doing it at the end. And that's when I was like, what I was saying and what I was doing weren't aligned. And I think a lot of times that happens in sales too. Like we say, we want to do this and we're doing this, but what we're actually doing don't align. And so I think that's where there starts to be a little disruption internally. Um, And so that for me was the sign of like, okay, this has been a great run. I didn't realize it at the time, but all of what I learned on the court set me up for where I am today. Yeah. Was it, was it tough to give it up? Oh, hell yeah. It still is. Right. I, I, I often joke the the reason I speak to this day and it only feel fills uh, about 30 percent of my bucket. It's the closest thing to performing um, being on the basketball court. Right. Because I, I work with a team now that 
records all my speeches to help with marketing and all that sort of stuff. But I, I go back and I watch every speech, right? Like it gives me a chance to be in an environment, whether it's a group of 150 or a couple hundred people or 10 people, I still get jazzed up. It doesn't matter. Right. Like, and that's no different if I'm in a big 12 game at Texas or West Virginia or a OVC game, Ohio Valley conference game at Eastern Illinois. Like I, I, it's still a performance and someone out there, you never know who's watching. And so for me, that's the reason that I still do speaking today. And it only fills about, like I said, 30% of the bucket, Um, but it still gives me that juice and to to prepare for the speech and the actual speech and then to go back and, okay, how can I get better? What, what did I do? Well, what can I do better? And and how am I going to do it? So that's, I still take all the things I did off and on the court and, and use them in what I do today as a coach and and a speaker. Yeah, man. Um, and, and I mean, I think that it's, you know, interesting that you said you review your, your, your speaker, you know, um, footage, right. And I'm sure when you're on the court, you're reviewing games, I'd imagine. Um, and in sales, you know, people are supposed to, supposed (laughs) to (laughs) review, you know, their demos, discoveries, cold calls, you name it. Right. So, um, I just find it interesting that you still do that even with, you know, speaking and stuff like that. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're enjoying the show, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And we hope that you'll tune in again tomorrow as we are here for you every day, weekends included, to help you transform the way you sell.